If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast all in one place. They have tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app on Apple or Android or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Now back to the good part. Boundary Corner Podcast with my co-host Brian Siegler. I'm Curtis Wilson. Brian, we're not talking about Saturday yet. We're just not. No, we're not. We're not lead with Saturday. We got to get a little uh, little happiness in here because the rest of it ain't gonna be so great. Well, this ain't happiness, so we're not talking this either. <laughs> fantasy, Brian, because <laughs> I feel like that's our happy point today, right? That's about the only thing that's been good so far. Luckily. My Colts don't play till tomorrow, so I haven't had the sadness that Curtis has experienced today. Uh, but uh, my fantasy team has finally looked competent for the first time all year, and I'm here to say I welcome this. I'm you finally welcome. getting a little health in there. I got I got two running backs that actually played a full game. <laughs> I, I even started the wrong quarterback, and I'm in a good position where as long as uh, – my boy Jonathan Taylor doesn't go out there and completely blow up and get 33 points tomorrow night. I'm taking that W, and I, I feel pretty good about that. So, oh, Wait a second. So, Jonathan, you're playing Taylor from the Colts tomorrow night, and if he gets 33, you – hold on. This is the whole – what do you want, Brian? Do you want the fantasy win? If it's a guarantee that the Colts win but you lose the fantasy game, what do you do? Yeah, I, I'm, I'll, I'll take the win for my team over fantasy. Um, okay. But in a, in a perfect world, Jonathan Taylor gets 32 and a half points, and I take the W. He takes the W there. The Colts get the W. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. The, the Niners part today. Lance started, but if they go back to Garoppolo, I, I have no faith in the coaching staff or the front office to get that right. Um, but fantasy for me today, man – let me tell you who on my fantasy team, Brian, you know, um, Justin Herbert about put up a 60 burger today. Yeah. Mike Evans almost put up a 30 burger. Nick Chubb almost put up a 30 burger. I mean, I'm sitting here, man. I'm projected to score almost 180. And I got two players left. One's right now. You'll see me look up Edward Tolaire for the uh, Chiefs. So fantasy has been sweet to me today. Um, it's been the one good spot of the weekend. The one, well, you know, 
<laughs> Listen, it was a nice weekend. It was a little rainy yesterday. Still hanging out, you know, with the fam, having a good time, hanging with the neighbors in the cul-de-sac. We had the homecoming parade. Kids got more candy than they probably could have for Halloween. We might cancel Halloween just so we don't have to go back out. No, we won't do that. Um, <laughs> it was it was a good. Weekend. Your kids would riot. Oh yeah. <laughs> Went to Hogshead tonight, man. Dude, I miss that place. That, that's one of the. That's like one of like the three spots in the West End that I used to go to on a regular basis that I just can't hit anymore. Um, I usually hit them about once every like two to three months now, which is fine. But Hogshead, um, I still usually make about a once a month tr- uh, pilgrimage to Hurley's just because that that was my spot. That was my bar. Um, shout out Hurley's Tavern in the West End shops at Innsbruck. Um, at the corner Cup. of Cox and Broad. <laughs> there we go. Corner of Cox and Broad. Shout yeah. out Wes McElroy for the inflection on the uh, exactly. <laughs> on the delivery there. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, overall, good weekend. You know, I'm, I'm to the point now in my life, my teams don't ruin the rest of my week. I've got a neighbor who's a tech alum, and me and him said the same thing today. It sucked, but uh, we're older now, and it doesn't bother us as much. You know, clearly he kind of looked at me. He's like, you're going to rage tonight, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to rage tonight. He's like, might listen in if I got the kids to sleep. I'm like, good deal. Man. Good deal. This, this is our therapy session. We, we get our we get our shit out here and more or less live our normal lives um, outside of this. So, um, you know, we, we've got other outlets, um, yeah. all those fun, all those fun group chats that we're a part of. So Absolutely. Uh, we, we got we got those outlets and we got the podcast here. So. Y'all, y'all get to hear our, uh, our our rant sessions here. Hopefully, we won't ramble too much here. We'll keep it on topic and give y'all something fun to listen to. We're gonna try to keep it the the navig. What is it? The navigational. Keep it between the navigational buoys. All right, Brian, crank it up because Jesus, did we see some things last night? Yeah, I mean, what it was is this right here, right? It's the same old story, same old song, and dance, my friend. That's what it was. It was the same old song and dance um, on numerous occasions at critical junctures in the game with, to me, just some terrible coaching decisions. Not execution, coaching decisions. And, Brian, we're going to hit it right off the bat. Let's go early second quarter. Tex leading seven nothing. The first drive we three and out. The second we have this great long play. We punch it in. We get the touchdown, and we're doing the same thing again. And you know we kind of look at this drive in general, Brian. And you know we, we, the the athletic pass that BB made to Gallo. Well, that's where it starts. Yep. Heem with a great cut. On a couple of plays later to get upfield, we bring in Blumrick for a wild turkey, get some yards, then a deep out to Trey for yards. And then they run that little, almost the pop scene to, to Tay. The guy holds him. There's the penalty. We're in the red zone. And the next thing you know, we get down, um, but we get down about the one-yard line. Give us the sequence, man. What? Let, let's start with let's start with the sequence. What was the first one? 
The first one was well, the inside zone. He beat yeah. scramble to get down. No, no, Trey. They run that sweep. Trey gets down. Sorry. The other one was the earlier touchdown drive, which I'm gonna hit on later. But it was the sequence. We were driving. Good return. We run a hook on first. BB sweeps plus six. A sweep to Trey. We're patient. He waits for Holson and Luke to set up the screen. Um, King was still in. We, we BB scrambled. And we got the first down, and we're inside the red zone. That trace sweep where he stepped out like at the one yard line. Yeah. Now we're at the one. All right. The first play, I don't think anybody, I don't, I think we're all okay with it. We're at the one, give it one shot running. It was Trey, it was an inside zone, it was stoned. Brian, what you saw next, I'm sure when this, when you saw what happened, your light bulb went like, yes, we're going to do something right. Yeah, I thought I, I, I thought we were gonna just we were gonna get Connor in there, um, either either work it outside on some of that sweep motion with the with the jet sweep, or or come up the middle with with Connor on the keeper, um, little single wing action. <sighs> but what happens, we, man? We roll short side of the field, so we take away half the field. And it's a play that they've seen because when, when they as soon as we ran it, they snuffed it out. It was supposed to be a little double action, and you saw linebackers around the thing. Blumrick had to throw it away, and we sit here, and it's the same old. Like the first down play, I get you know people who want to complain about be more creative. You're at the one, you've got them on their heels. If you push them off, it's a touchdown. I don't have an issue with that play. The next play was the one because Connor had came in already and proven that we could get with with his length, with his size, we could get short yardage situations, yep. right? Yep. And then you just completely take away the thing that got us best. We completely go to a old, oh, this call will work. That call hasn't worked in a while. It didn't work numerous times against West Virginia. And, and like the song says, the same old song and dance. And well, well, this is the other thing that happens in the red zone, right? Where, you know, you feel like the call is like trying to be the smartest guy in the room. Like, don't don't overthink the call. Get get us in the end zone. Yep. Put the right personnel in the field and get us in the damn end zone. And that's where it felt right, didn't it? You had the yeah. right personnel. And I was just sitting here. I mean, you mentioned it. You talk about that sweet action. I was hoping they'd go up. You keep Trey or Tay on the right, whoever you want to sweep by across, and you see how they align. And you probably could say, well, if they were going to give the outside leverage, you hand it, you let him aim for the corner, and you let it be a foot race. And if he makes it, he makes it. If he doesn't, then good on them. But if they give you the right numbers and they give you the inside leverage right, mm-hmm. running up the freaking middle. The guy's six foot five, running head start. Could find a hole and just jump, but no. Our our wonderful play caller, thanks. No, let's do this play. This will work, and you could see they knew it. it can I like- can I say something else? Because I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna bury a little bit of the lead here. But guys, at some points in this game, we ran plays under center. Yes, we're gonna talk about I mean, <laughs> the first touchdown. <laughs> we ran a play under center. We ran a sneak under center, and they worked. Um, and, and there's some other pieces in there, man. We're, we're going to hit it later. At, at some at some point, you got to win the battles of the line of scrimmage and just get guys across the field. Stop overthinking this shit. Exactly. Um, 
the, the third play, we, we try to run the fade to to Trey. He over BB overthrows it. And can I ask you this before we go any further? Yep. When John Parker Romo came in from essentially the eight yard line, where you're like, not again. Not again. I was I was nervous, but you know, if you're going to kick the field goal, which I still don't necessarily agree with here, but if you're going to kick the field goal, that 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 is what it is. Um, and, and actually, shout out to John Parker Romo because he had a hell of a game. Um, what three for three field goals at 52 yarder could have been good from 62. Yeah. So I mean, great game by him. Uh, made made kicks from all over the field. Uh, there wasn't the really. Game. Kept yeah. us in the game. Say it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but that that's a scenario where you got to feel of the game, flow of the game. I would have liked to have, number one, had better play sequencing leading up to fourth down, but I would have fucking went for it there. Um, I mean, this is Notre Dame. It's a game that if you win, it's you get clout points for that. And it's a game that if you lose and lose it in a way that at least looks like you're you're pulling out all the stops. It does. It it doesn't hurt you as bad, right? No, not at all. Leave your nuts on the field, both as coaches and as players. And the players did that. I don't feel like the coaches left their nuts no, on the field here. They left a lot off the field. Um, and and it's in the simplistic math, Brian. We lost by three. You get the touchdown there. Seven minus three is four. It's yep. and, and, and there's points all over this field that we're going to get. Oh, there is. That's that's four. We've got a few more to talk about, and obviously that's going to come to the second one. So obviously, same old song and dance. We get at the goal line, cannot punch it in from the one. Even when we put the right personnel, we do stupid things. All right. Then dumb penalties, and I know you on this one, Brian. You you got. I was I was up the ref's ass. All right. <laughs> and field negates BB scrambles out hits Tavion on a little crosser, um, touchdown decline or ineligible field downfield. Uh, they were right at three yards away from the play, nowhere near the play. Um, not even actively engaged in a block. No, no, mind you, no, not engaged in a block. Like they. they... <sighs> It's things like that where, I mean, you can you could call if you're going to call that you could literally call an ineligible man downfield on any RPO yeah. in the history of RPOs. So I, I hated that call by the absolute letter of the law. Yeah, probably a half yard further downfield than maybe, maybe. <laughs> than you would like to see. They were, it was really close. I mean, it wasn't like they were five and six i mean you had french but th- but this isn't like they they were taking a linebacker or a safety out of flowing to no. where the play is happening right which is why the rule is in place yes right that's why the rule is in place i'm sure you got taught years ago playing the line the reason you're gonna get flagged for this is if you're engaging somebody at six yards upfield they're saying, hey, I can't try to go over here and tackle the guy. Freaking O-line is way up here, and it's non-running. Yeah, the the, the ball has not been thrown yet, and I'm already engaged by a lineman six yards up field. That's that's what the letter of the law is for. Um, and like I said, it, from a technical standpoint, by probably about a half yard, it's a penalty. Mm. But also, in practical terms, you, you would not be able to run RPO if that got flagged every time. 
No, you wouldn't be able to. And there was a lot more. There's been a lot more egregious non-called ineligible men downfield. So there, there, there was some in in that game uh, that uh, honestly Notre Dame committed that could have been oh, called similarly. So significantly worse. They were engaged yeah. too. All right, but here's yeah, why I mean this play out. And then the what the the next play is the uh, is the face mask right that didn't get called. No, no, no. That was two plays. And this is where I have that was two new, plays. Okay, because we try to throw to the end zone at sec at second and thirteen, and this is where the sequencing screwed up again. It's where the sequencing is screwed up again. It's second and 13. They're back. They're laying back. We try to go to the end zone. Incomplete pass. The next play is that inside screen to Tavion in which he gets his face mask pulled. Um, And I sit here and I kind of say, that's a second down call. Because at second and 13, the Again, most normal offensive coordinators who have actually done this stuff and made a lot of money, the goal at second and 13, even in the red zone, is going to be like, well, we can still potentially get a first down. Let's run something to get anywhere from five to the first down. Let's not try to get it in the end zone because we're probably going to be playing for that. And you saw the the, the play worked perfect. It was the wrong down because – where it, we would design get six to eight, it could get you the first down. It got eight. It's third yeah. and five. We would have been, I think, at the seven or eight. So you still have potential to get the first down. You can go end zone. You can run the ball. You can do anything you want. Your entire, play, your entire red zone playbook is open. Whereas if you, you know, in the longer yardage situation, you're essentially having to hope that you break a couple tackles or everything runs exactly perfectly to get that first down. And exactly. we really came up just a couple yards short. So it goes back, same old song and dance, incorrect play sequencing. Okay. Terrible play sequencing in that. I'm with that. It really sucks. It, it, it would have shifted the momentum because at that point in time, it would have went to 20 um, to 14. So again, there's, there's more points on the field right there. There's four more points, but again, the penalty sucked. But the subsequent play calling is why you didn't have a chance to get a touchdown and how it was backwards. It was done backwards. And that's what irritates me because I sit here and I see that play. I'm like, why didn't you run that second down? And it's third. Essentially, our our coaches hurt us enough where we can't recover from the referees also hurting us. Very true. Very true. All (laughs) right. And um, obviously, Brian, let's go to the last one. Yep. Okay. Well, this point in time, Notre David got in the lead back, 21-16. And you said it in the episode, Brian, we have to make them drive long fields. We're going to get into more of the interceptions later. But Jermaine Waller was hooked up in a short zone. And I don't know if Buckner didn't see him or not. But Waller, saw, he just threw that ball and Waller jumped, gone. Pick six, beamer ball to the house. It's 22-21. Now, when we go in the three-yard line, Blumrick is in because this was after the BB injury situation. And, okay, you're at the three. Blumrick's in. Like, okay, I think you can argue, you can say leaving points on the field or not. At that point in time, that would have made it a three-point versus a two-point game. At the three, I'm acceptable of it. That's cool. I I get the point. But after the false start penalty by Gallo, we're at the eight. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, you just kick it now. You just put John Parker out there. You kick it through. 
and you know you take your points and hope you can get those points back later if you need them instead they send Bolnrick out there and he passes it it gets picked and that thing goes back and i'm sure if you were like me brian i was like that's just gonna get returned we're about to we're about to go down after a pick we're, to... <laughs> we're gonna be down 23 22 thankfully somebody made a play um, yeah but what's the what's the logic in it not not from the three we get it from the eight what's your from from the three with connor you might take that risk at that point i personally would have still kicked it regardless um it's too early to chase points um by going for a two-point conversion there um ultimately i'm i'm, I'm much more okay with that decision if if the penalty doesn't happen once yeah. the penalty's out there, kick the damn field goal. Yes. You don't need the points yet. You have the lead. Take the extra point, and you can figure out if you're going to need those two points later. Exactly. So there, but you don't need them right now, so stop chasing them. Exactly. So we're about 16 minutes in, and the calamity of errors that right there, let's just say it, Brian, four, eight, nine points in a three-point loss. Yep. Nine points, potentially nine points, because of things we have seen from day one, six years ago, that still aren't being corrected. And yeah, that's and I, think, I think that's the thing. So let, let's talk about the, the trends. And, I mean, this goes with this game, and it applies elsewhere. We're going to get more into this now, but, I mean, if if these things were one-off or these things were occasional things that we saw in a game, we we wouldn't be ranting about them right now. No. It, or we wouldn't be ranting about them as hard. We, wouldn't be, we th- wouldn't be flipping songs and playing yeah, before I mean, we go into the segment. It's the repetition of of these problems that is the issue, not the presence. That's it. And and we talk about fourth quarter. I mean, when, when the fourth quarter started and things, and I was like, all right, well, we're, we're doing some good things. But we go up eight, and and as soon as that happened and, you know, Notre Dame gets the ball back, and as soon as that drive started, Cone comes in, I'm like, I've seen this movie before. And yeah. I think I'd actually – I think me. I hit you up. I was like, said, "This is this is gonna, this is going to be like 2019, isn't it?" You said it. it's going to end 2019, <laughs> and this was actually you said it. It might have been earlier. You said, early you said it early fourth when they were just when we were up just the um, one point. Yeah, you said. I was like, I was like "This is this is going to end up just like 2019," and more or less it did. It did. Um, yeah. More or less it did. The, the, and. Between, you know, having a banged up quarterback and I mean, I know we played that whole game with our backup quarterback, whereas we played uh, segments of this game with our backup quarterback. And I I guess he's our backup quarterback, Uh, probably probably not going into next week because it looks like he injured his ankle pretty badly. But, yeah, um, you know, Virginia Tech goes up with a touchdown, go up eight. Yeah, well, hold, on. Got, hold on. First yeah. of all, defense set it up. Nasir Peoples intercepts the ball. Yeah. Nasir played a hell of a game. Nasir and gets a few extra yards. And it goes back to where the play calling looked different again. We we run a sweep. 
Um, you know, Lofton got welcomed to the college football world with that hit. Um, yeah. That. He got welcomed. And then BB gets a third down conversion pass. And they rough him because, I mean, they smell blood in the water. After you see him pop the pills on the sideline, which I'm sure somebody said to them, oh, he hurt. They hit him. but we He hurt, hurt. <laughs> He's hurt, hurt. He's not just and l- then, l- little Nick. <laughs> and then there were some – we're in the red zone. There were a couple of just bad play calls. And that 22-mile-an-hour speed then showed up. The, the play call, which I'm still trying to figure out what it was, because it wasn't there. He rolled and just, like, said – I got to go. I got to go. And he goes as – I mean, he runs as fast as he can, misses two Notre Dame defenders, scores. We're up eight. Now, let's go back. Brian, we kick the extra point. We score the touchdown. It's a nine-point game. Yep. They can't – essentially, they can't just score and tie the game. They will have to be down. Um, but you know, then it, then let's go into that drive about cone coming in. Yeah. So cone comes in in the, in the very first play, uh, on that pass, you get, you get Dax with targeting ejected. Um, I don't like it. I know we, we were the beneficiary of a tight end on a crackback earlier in the game, that didn't really hurt them um, that much. They were on their second tight end. He hadn't really done a whole lot of damage in their passing attack. He was just kind of a dude. Um, True. You know, Dax goes out, and while Dax didn't have his best game, Dax did get shook in space by Buckner and uh, Tyree a couple times. Dax did pretty good in his Mike coverage responsibilities and taking away the seam and things like that. He did. And two plays after that, two plays after Dax is out, they attack that seam and they get a big gain that gets them in plus territory. And you say, and you start saying shit, I've seen this movie before. I want to ask a question, Brian, about that play. To me, it wasn't targeting. It was literally because the way that putt, the way that ball was thrown, the, the head was down. It was shoulder. It was almost like a more of a clothesline than anything. If they would eject him for a clothesline, I'd have been fine. But here's here's what I say: if they don't throw the flag, that stadium popped when he knocked yeah. the shit out of that kid. I mean, it went nuts. It reminded me of Diablo lighting up the UVA player last year, and that hit. I think if that if it, it's just a hit, and they have to carry that, I, I think. I think Cone is probably in his head like, my God, they're they're taking guys out. Instead the, the air the air came out of the defense, the air came out of the stadium. It was definitely one of those momentum changers. Like you, you kind of yeah. felt a shift. Um and ultimately that that kind of came to fruition, right? So the defense yeah. just couldn't really get their legs back under them after that. It looked like the well, offense for Notre Dame. Yeah, they attack. They, where they attack the middle. They attack the middle, and you know, I, th- I think some of this is saying, you know, it's hard to come cold in the fourth quarter when it matters with a with a position like Mike, right? Yeah. So I, I'm. This isn't a knock on on Dean Ferguson. This isn't a knock on 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 the play. It's just yeah. you're coming in cold in the fourth quarter in the kind of the biggest moment of the game 
and it's a, in a position where you're having to line up people, you're having to think through a million things. He could have potentially been called to ask to blitz, to play a man responsibility, to 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 come off the edge, to play some sort of you know short zone, mid zone. It's like a million things, right? And with the mic, it's also a flow position because you're all night. Dax is flowing where the ball's going. Okay, what are they doing with it? Yep. It's it's like the first quarter again. So. No, 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 it's like the no. first drive. He, he's coming in and still has to get a feel of what what they're trying to do. Meanwhile, they're in full on attack mode, right? Yeah, and and, and they're and, they're and, they're not feeling us out. They know what they want to do, so that's yeah. that's a tough spot. So um, I yep. feel like that that definitely put our defense kind of behind there. And I'm not making excuses for them. They they definitely could have did a little bit more at the end to keep them out of the end zone. I think we need to work on that. We do a really good job of getting folks off the field when they cross the 50 before they get into the red zone. We yeah. haven't done a great job of once teams are getting into the red zone on us, stopping them from scoring, right? We haven't stopped anybody from scoring in the red zone this year. If you get to the red zone against us, it's now 11 for 11. It's 11 for 11. So if you get there with us by by whatever reason, you're likely to get three or seven, and it's been seven more times than it has three. Yeah. So um we, we need to be we need to be out. better at that. We like I said, we've done a good job of giving up yards, but getting put folks off the field, you know, before they get into that red zone. We've done a I'd say probably one of the better teams in the nation at oh, that. Yes. But once they're in the red zone, you know, we're not doing a good job of either turning them over um or you know, forcing them into bad spots where they lose yardage and have to to kick a tougher field goal. So All right, well, and we need to really just, we need to be more consistent forcing the field goal altogether. I mean, if we were, if they're 11 for 11, but they kicked eight field goals, I wouldn't feel that bad. Oh, about no, it. no, but you're like, we're in, the, we're, we're on the other way. We're, we're yeah. on the other side of that. Right. We're more on the, they've been down there. I think it's, a. I have to look it up. It's 11. I was seven for seven as of just a couple weeks or as of, you know, the last time we discussed it on the bye week. And I think it was five to two. So it's like nine to two now, touchdowns. Um, but you know, still at that point in time, Brian, it's a it's a tie game. Yep. Seen our offense move the ball. Um, and then a couple, you know, the, the first pass was incomplete. The second pass was it was the right call. Because if Trey catches that ball, we're on plus side of the field with probably a minute and some change left. Yeah. Um and he missed it, and it was could could be be a you put you put yourself if you do that you put yourself in a situation where either you're getting the field goal or they probably don't have enough time to come back down the field. No, 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 they're not. If he catches that, if we don't get the field goal, it's going to overtime. Yeah, um, and I don't know if that favors it, it. Obviously, favors them because of our red zone defense. Can I be honest? I hated the first down re- the call though. The the play to um the little, little swing out yeah yeah I, I I that that was airmailed I mean number one if you're gonna get, have your quarterback who is hurting in his throwing shoulder throw the ball it better be down the fucking field <laughs> you are tied this is not a, <laughs> you're not up ten points with two minutes left and, and if you're thinking about getting any sort of clock off the ball 
get your running back in space on like a toss or something like that, keep the clock running there in a, in a different way. If you're going to be conservative, be conservative. So that, that that's my problem there. And, and I love the second down play call. Second down play call was perfect. It was. Uh, Trey's got to come down with that. Ball could have been a little bit better thrown. But if you get both hands on it, you got to pull it in. It's true, man. It's very, very true. So, you know, BB tries like crazy, scrambles, gets nine. He's short and we have to punt. And then, you know, we had already seen it the way Cone had driven before with, you know, with no Dax in the game. Um, you know, it, it seven plays in a minute and 30 seconds to go yep. 45 yards. And it was, you know, couple one big one some small ones another big one another solid one and the next thing you know they're at our 30 48 yard field goal right through about 20 seconds left and 32 29 and we can sit back and we can just say so many points in the game so many points where we're leaving you know multiple points on the field that if you do that, this doesn't happen. Yeah, they're out. They 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 don't have the possibility. It changes game flow. It change. I don't think they they had Buckner in, but if they got down fourteen, I don't think he ever comes in because I think Derek can say, "Well, we can run the ball," but you're sitting there. It's like, okay, but but if we run the ball and we're taking time consuming drives, they're taking time consuming drives. They prove they can move the ball on us. Not at will, but situationally they can move the ball on us. I don't think he comes in. I think they they put Cone in and say, "Hey, you know, let's let's sling it out, let's sling it, let's see what we can do because we're not running the football effectively." And nope. I mean, we we didn't do what we needed to do in some ways in that in that regard on defense, but we did a good job of of containing the running game, and um, that never yeah, really hurt us badly. That. No. Uh, we were worse in the red zone. We were worse in the red zone against the run, but in the middle of the field, we we did a good job against the run. So I mean, they only averaged four yards a carry. They they got 170 yards. They ran the ball over 40 times. It it should have been you know three three and a half, but I'm not going to argue over over four. Um, None of them really. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But overall, it's just. The, 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 everything we've talked about these first 30 minutes here, it's just a cataclysm of coaching. Kids played their hearts out. Kids were put – when the kids were put in good positions last night, the kids executed and the kids turned it into positive yards. Yeah. It, it wasn't one of these games where it was a, you know, it was a great play call and we we screwed up. When there were good play calls, the kids got yards. Um, there, there, there was like a you know we've talked and we've already talked on a couple plays here or there, where execution was the factor, um, right. and one of them being the the second down call uh, on our last offensive possession, or I'd say next to last, not yeah. counting the, you know the random two plays we ran after they kicked the field goal. Um, yeah, we don't really count those. I mean because BB's arm hurting, and unless you hit a, you know, a thirty yard post to get you to midfield where you can burn a timeout. I mean, you had to have some miracle happen, and that yep. was not in the cards last night. All right, Brian, before we get into some more topics tonight, um, we're going to take a quick pause for a message from our digital partners. 
As we take a quick break, we'd like to tell you about getting your free website report from our digital partner, Grassroots Digital Marketing Studio. They'll tell you how your website ranks on Google, on-site SEO, and social media. No commitment to buy anything. You can get your free report by visiting grassrootsdigitalstudio.com forward slash free dash website dash report. Now back to the episode. All right, but before we jump into the topic, explain the rule with the Cincinnati kick today. Did you see that one? Like it, it literally went, it hit the flag behind it. Like it went over the bar. It went it went over the bar outside of the outside of the bar and then hit the flag on the backside. So okay. it never actually went but between the bar. Um, Got it. I perspective wise, it was it, it it's hard to see from where where they were kicking from and from the sideline. So I get why they thought it was in, um, but it wasn't in. All right, thanks. Rule 101, also Mason Crosby in that game. Yikes. He ends up kicking the game winner, but damn, it was an adventure getting there. Looks like a, a golfer who had the yips for about three holes. Like, just pull, pull, pull. Yeah. Finally got it right. All right, well, Brian, let's jump back. Offensive notes. Um, And let's, let's, let's talk about this first. The offensive line, it, we're still trying to find the right group. I know I noticed Parker Clements out there a few times last night. Silas was back in the lineup, thank goodness. Um, I, I don't remember seeing Johnny Jordan any. What did you notice? And, you know, what what would you do going forward? Because I do uh, see, remember, remember a couple of the drive when Clement was in, we were more effective. And not a knock on Silas. Again, it's tough to pay attention to the offensive line when it's a side view. Yeah, um, I think the the problem is is that they haven't found what their best five is. And I think this was a bad game to try to keep experimenting with that. Um, I mean, we, 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 we praise Vice for, for some things that have happened in the last couple of years. But, I mean, this is something that's getting a little old this year is that we haven't settled on a five and that's not not you know notwithstanding the fact that we've had some injuries i mean that's that's obviously a concern but that's not the only problem that we're dealing with here is that we're still trying to figure out what our best five grouping is even when we got healthy guys across the board um you know we saw brock come back brock probably played his best game of the season yes yeah with the exception of penalties which you know the the ineligible which you know, I'll, I'm not getting into that again. Yeah. But um, he had one false start, I think, that did back us up in a critical situation. But but you saw just blocking-wise, he was... Blocking-wise, he played as close to his performances last year as I've seen from him this year. Um, yeah. So I don't know if just that's mindset or, or what it may be, but he definitely went out there and played better. Um, not perfect and definitely still a couple errors there from a mental standpoint, but he cleaned up the, the physicality and just being where he needs to be every play and, and not losing as many battles um, in the trenches this week. All right. Let me ask this. Having Silas Parker Clements banged up for um, Clements, obviously for West Virginia, Middle Tennessee State. And I think, I don't think he was in Richmond. I don't remember him. I don't remember seeing him at Richmond. If he was, he was. 
how much does having those guys out because again we talked about it those are the games to experiment to try different plays but when you don't have that opportunity unfortunately we had to do it against notre dame probably a top 10 15 defense under freeman this year um you know in the next game is not going to get any easier, although Pitt's not as good defensively as Notre Dame. But it's going to be one of those games we, we're we going to have to score. Uh, Yeah, we're going to have to score some points against Pitt because they're going to score some points against us. And, you know, the offensive line has been a problem, but we also talk about the running back room. Um, You know, we've had inconsistency there. I think, you know, Blackshear has been the most consistent player offensively in terms of, kind of all-purpose yards right but uh we just have not gotten a footing where we can get a consistent running game going and i still go back to it you know we looked in this game and we had both we had two quarterbacks that were completely banged up yeah but we're, we're still not incorporating the read part of the nope. or the option part of the read option like we need to nice. um and and that's areas where if we can get Braxton a slide that he could actually use, use that, uh, that, that speed to his advantage, especially, you know, getting some, some sort of clean alleys on that backside of the, of the play, but we're well, not doing well, that. Well, we can't, we can't even do it now no. because if he plays this week, he's going to be, we know he's banged. Yeah. It, and you know, you can speculate. Is it a dislocated shoulder? I don't think he tore anything. I don't think he tore anything because I think when they took him to the locker room, he wouldn't have been able to. He wouldn't have been able to throw the yeah. ball if he if he had torn something. Well, they would have done the flex test, right? And essentially, yeah. on a flex test, even with adrenaline pumping, you're going to be there. A range of motion will show you've torn something. You can't do anything. We need an MRI. So it's either a dislocated shoulder or maybe it's a deep bruise on his shoulder where it's like that's why I had to take the pills last night. You know, to get back in there and be able to throw. So yep. if he's out, and then Blumrick, for goodness sakes, I mean, Blumrick got wrecked on that play right to his ribs. So he's probably out, you know, we'll hopefully hear something tomorrow. I highly doubt it. Um, yeah. They probably won't put it on stream either tomorrow, so we'll have it to be Mikey and Mike uh, Mike McDaniels, Andy Bitter, Mike Nazola. You guys just tweet good tomorrow so we know yep. exactly what's going on. <laughs> um. So you're down to Knox then, and Knox and Bullock is the backup. So, you know, we talk about the running back. Brian, they had 20 carries though yesterday. We had 37 carries total. They were at 20. So, yeah. you know, and, and, and you know, Heem led the way with, you know, eight at 35. And then they gave Sean King a couple. Malachi Thomas had some run, and then Jalen had some run. And it, you can see as much as we can say we need a running quarterback in this offense. I think you've got to have running backs. I honestly do think you've got to have running backs in this offense who can go and come with skill sets that are different because Khalil Herbert had it, and you could see it. Khalil Herbert, Herbert also had a better offensive line across much the board. True, and true, I think with with the deficiencies that we have at at least two positions on this offensive line. Um, 
we need some of that run threat element from the quarterback position to really be effective running the football, even when we give the ball to the backs. I mean, at this point, they're not honoring the read option unless no. we go into the uh, like an inverted veer look. If we're just yeah. running a straight read option, they are not honoring that at all. It was there um, a couple times last night where if BB would have tucked, he would have had 25 or 30 yards. Yeah, and can we talk about something else real quick since we're on the quarterbacks? Okay. You know, we talked about we, we, we talked about Connor Blumrick being a good package quarterback, whether yeah. short yardage, goal line, things like that. But when when Braxton got hurt, why was Blumrick running the single wing or plan B at the quarterback position? Again, coaching. Coaching, not players. He went out and executed it the best he could. The other times we've seen Knox come in, and we saw Knox at Clemson in a big situation last year, essentially run the normal offense. Yeah. So there is, there is, that style of the ball is so messed up. It is. And I, it feels like they just, they're, they're rudderless. They don't know when good things happen, it happens because athletics, the players athletics, make athletes. plays, but that's it. It's, it, it doesn't look like, I mean, and even when they're schemed, the, the, like, it just feels like they they have so many periods where it feels like they don't know what, what they're doing next. And it feels like they play tight, like they're scared to, to mess up, that they don't go out there and just All right. have a chance to compete. I want to throw something at you, and you tell me if you did not see it. Jekyll and Hyde play calling. That first touchdown drive, I listed everything we did. And I know some of that would have been in the script. But last night, there were times where we were like the comeback routes you talked about. We had some of those. Some of the out, the 15-yard out, we had some of those. Obviously, the Tavion Robinson play I talked about, we had some of those. We went under center a couple times. That's what we talked about by week, guys. We talked about that was elements of of Memphis and TCU that – had been a part of the Fuente offense, even if it wasn't necessarily a hallmark of the Fuente offense. No. When situations call for it or when you really just want to run the damn ball between the tackles, they would go under center. They would have an H-back that would do multiple things for them when they went under center, Um, whether it be kind of just leading out as a typical fullback, whether it be um, coming across the formation on kickouts. It was several different things they would do under center. And we – you know, we finally saw them try that. And it worked. But we why not stick with some of that? Why not? Um, that's, why, that's why I still question it's a Jekyll and Hyde thing. Who's calling plays? Who's making these decisions? Because at times it seems like you always talk about sequencing. That's one of your big things. And I think you playing at Sydney for Marty, you saw a guy who knew how to sequence plays and make setups and show things that will be shown later. And there were times last night where it felt like the sequences, it was just like boom, and then we did boom, and we did boom, and we did boom. And the next thing you know is, shit, we're in a red zone. How the hell have we moved the ball in the last three minutes 55 yards? And then yeah. there were times last night where it was just like, well, we've seen this story before. It's it's That's what I don't get. That's where I question what's happening behind that room. Can I tell you when we look our best? Go for it. We look our best when we need to score and we're running out of clock. 
when we go tempo and we have to get a point and we start playing loose and not thinking as much because look, I mean, if, and I, and I appreciate before halftime, I mean, we could have sat on that ball and went to halftime. I thought we were, and we did. I'm like, we're kneeling out. But we did. And we, we didn't. And that, that was as, good of a sequence of offense as they played the entire night. I mean, there were other, other drives that went longer and got more points, but that, that those sequence of plays were very good. And Mm -hmm. the problem is that we don't see that for sustained periods throughout a game. We don't. And it really sucks for guys like Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson, whether what your opinion is, Trey's the best wide receiver on the team. Tavion's a very close second. And those guys last night had, 140 of the yards receiving. They had another 10 on a couple of his runs. And they only had – I need to do something here, Brian. Let me look at the box real quick. I had it up a second ago and I pulled it down. You're good. We ran last night a total of 71 plays. 71 plays. They got the ball in their hands 16 times. Yeah. That should be closer to 25. So you're telling us, and, 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 and I'd love to see target rates of how many were overthrown, but, but give credit. There weren't many balls that were thrown other than the interception, which we played pretty clean last night. It cost us dearly because it was so deep in our territory. But you've got to be thinking about having to get those guys involved. I mean, you saw early we tried to run an outside screen. They Well, we missed a block, and they essentially hit Tavion back in the backfield. But if you're only saying that the two best playmakers on your team aren't even getting 25% of the touches, you know, it's like where is your head at defense? Well, it'd be one thing if we were the bastion of spreading the ball around, but <laughs> we're not we're not hitting that category very hard either. It's not like we're you know, you've got seven or eight guys with three plus catches either, right? <laughs> well, yeah. It's essentially it's a lot. All right, Brian. Anything else you want to hit on the offense before we flip over, talk about the defense for a minute? Let's go ahead and flip over, man. I, I'm, I'm ready right. to move on. We move on. Lots on the offense. Well, last night, Brian, it finally happened. Defensive depth, the loss of Alec Bryant, the loss of Robert Wood and Justin Beatles, other guys who left, finally reared its head, especially on that last drive. They were done. Barno and Garbett were done. We saw I saw Eli Adams and Jalen a few times on the field. But we – and I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see the snap counts. But it's one of those things where – if we would have just had Wooten and Bryant to go along with getting some from Eli, I know we had Cole Nelson out. I saw him later in the game. It, it, it reared its ugly head because they were on the field a lot. We about split time of possession. And Notre Dame had, you know, uh, I think they had 70-plus plays too. Notre Dame had 69 plays to seven, basically 70. Yeah. In, about the same number of plays, about the same time of possession. Same time of possession, same number of plays. We had been keeping it somewhere between 55 and 60 with the pacing of the game. Obviously, this game with the scoring, 
um, the pick six, it changed. And it sucks because the interior has the depth. You can see it. But I, I can probably I'll, – I'll prefer to you on this. If you're eventually late in the game and, you know, these guys aren't getting their steps, they can't bull rush, how easy is it for your offensive line coach to say, listen, y'all just stay in because they're not going to get past the outside tackles? Yeah, I mean – that's the problem with depth, right? And we know that that tier link likes to rotate up to three full full sets of lines at the defensive line. We don't and have that. We don't we don't have that. Um, we've got five solid D tackles. We've got three solid defensive ends with two that are one undersized and another coming along. Um, and we're just not there where we feel like. We can in in a situation where they have to score the ball to win the game. You know the trade off there is you put your best guys out there that are beat, or you put your second line out there that doesn't have the top end ability that you need in the situation. So it it, it, it we were put in a situation where you damned if you do, damned if you don't, and it ended up biting us and. You know, you can second guess those choices in terms of who, what personnel was out there at that time. But, you know, you want your best guys out there. Um, you, you hope they've got enough in the tank. But we're, we're at a point now where snap counts are going up. And we're even coming off a of bye. Um, yep. You know, playing 69 snaps. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure what the snap count was for Barno and, uh, and Garbutt. But if it's anywhere in that same percentage that we've seen through the first four games, uh, it's it's definitely higher than tier link would like it to be and um you know when we don't have that depth we we get into situations like this where where they're gassed the defense isn't quite yeah. um able to able to hold up as long in the back end either and shit happens man and it does and and a lot of that goes i mean we played a bad offensive line yesterday we only got two sacks two total we talked about we needed to be up there but they went to a mobile quarterback early, and I think that's also what gassed the ends, right? Because yeah. they could not be aggressive. They couldn't pin their ears back. They had to stay responsible. They had to chase the guy. First they had chased total. Buckner for two and a half quarters. Yeah. And now they were having to go full full on pass rush. Um, and they didn't have they legs. Just, they, they didn't have legs left and we weren't able to rotate enough early in the contest to keep them fresh enough late in the contest. And it's one of those things where it's depth because obviously the quarterback room at Notre Dame is very deep between Cone, Pine and Buckner. We didn't talk about Buckner because up to this point, Buckner had been more of a gadget Blumrick type guy. They'd send him out there. They'd run, you know, they'd run a read option. They'd run some powers with them. They'd run some leads. And you saw, I saw that on the stats, but I was like, they might bring him in, but this is more as pine or is it um, cone? And you know, the worst thing that happened, he took that run late and we popped him because I don't think Brian Kelly would have went back to cone. I think if Butner was still healthy, not taking that pop, I think he sticks with him and maybe we can win the game. Maybe we don't. Um, yeah. And, and it, it wasn't really a pop. It looked like he, he kind of twisted his ankle after he made oh, yeah, the, the throw there. Hand. Yeah, yeah. So. And then it didn't look bad either. Like, oh, he'll be back and then no, comes back in. But, um, again, a, a, a 
an offensive line that had been giving up close to 15 hits behind the line of scrimmage, um, you know, they give up two, partially due to the quarterback change. But then in the other part, Brian, we talked about it the other week, were missed tackles. We had them – I say we, I can count in my head like five times we had them for losses and we couldn't finish the sack or couldn't finish the loss. We missed the tackle and they'd get back to the line of scrimmage. Or three or four times on Chris Tyree and about two or three times on Buckner. Um, and those add up, right, um, over the course of time. And some of that is, you know, chasing guys that you weren't expected to chase. But yeah. at the same time, you're coming off a bye. Um, we got to have some of that in our mind that they could come out and do something different. Um, and it, it's just – and the other thing we talked about is missed tackles, and we, we didn't – we had more missed tackles this game than we probably had all year. Um, it's right there with the West Virginia game. Um, but fortunately for us, they didn't necessarily result in knockout punches. It was more, more jabs, more little knife cuts. Um, things that kept our defense on the field. But unfortunately, when we talk about what, how this game came to an end, you know, those are the things that, that hurt you because that, that gives them that that's a three that turns into a touchdown potentially because of an extended drive. Yeah. And then the more plays you play, the more gashed you get. Then at the end, you can't, can't quite get enough to get them off the field again. So um, every little thing kind of plays off each other. And that, that's, that's those little things we got to get better at. I like the way and, you said knife cuts because it was where instead of being second and nine, they missed the tackle. It's second and six. It opens the playbook more. Or you stopped them, and it's fourth and two. Well, no, it's they they you missed it, but they only got an extra yard. And you know, that's one of those things where you feel for the defense. It's like if you're doing that, it means everybody's getting to the ball. But the goal is if you've got to stop them where they are because the extra yep. yard had up. I mean, if you really – if somebody wants to nerd out and has more time than we do, um, <laughs> go through and start counting the extra yards. I would probably guess it's somewhere between 60 and 70, just knowing how many tackles we missed. And, like, I, I, I can't remember when this was in the game. I had wrote down here we could not finish a sack off. And I think he ran for an additional – I want to find this. Efforting, efforting through my notes from last night, all the pages of notes from last night. Um, because it was later in the game. But anyway, I wrote down he essentially missed. We we couldn't finish the sack. It was going to be like a six or seven yard loss, and I think he went for like six or seven more. So it's a plus fourteen gain right there. That's a ton. Um. Brian, I'll say this about the secondary. We might struggle to stop them in the back end when we get close to the goal. But as you said last week on Wednesday night, if we force them to drive, we're going to force some turnovers. Yep. We housed one. We stopped a touchdown drive or a potential scoring drive, Monsieur Peoples, and Armani Chapman dropped one that would have set us up perfect. The secondary, it's it's not the elite level yet. They are heading that way um but we've got we've got ball hawks back there something we hadn't seen the last few years on this defense 
Yeah, it's probably the. Uh, I mean, I, we said it before the season. Probably the best we felt about the secondary at the beginning of a season in a long time. We didn't know, obviously, um, what the combination of uh, Farley and Waller was going to look like start at the start of the season in 2019. Um, but I mean, they've they've lived up to my expectations so far. Jermaine Waller has come back as a force. Uh, we finally got that defensive touchdown this week with him. Um, you know, he's a he's been a pick machine so far this season and been really solid in coverage. Um, he did get beat at one time, but he was step for step. That was just a perfect throw. I mean, it's hard to stop that. Um, and the other guys are coming along. Uh, Armani Chapman's had. He's had a couple games that haven't been great, but they were still solid enough. And he's had some of the better. He's played his best uh, overall football this season, so you like seeing that. Like seeing him come along, and and Dorian Strong is continuing to progress as well. Um, he needs to get a little bit better against the run um, and being being physical um, in the secondary. I think that's one area that he's still kind of coming into his own with. Um, so I'd like to see more progress there, but. Yeah, Hawks across the board, man, um, and and I like I like the way that's trending. Um, so shout out to Ryan Smith um, for really making not only you know things happen on the recruiting trail, but also putting a good product out there uh, on the field as well. Putting a good product out there on the field, not afraid to make changes, not afraid to put certain guys ahead of certain guys um, that they've lived up. And Jermaine Waller. I think he now leads the country in interceptions every week. A little more money, a little more money, a little better draft pick every single week. All right, Brian, I don't know what you're doing about 1 o'clock today. So what was going on? It, it, were you just watching football? Were you reading articles? Because this tweet you sent out has blown up. And if you guys haven't seen it, 122 from Brian's account, C5052, he says the following. Since it's being asked, I'll put this out there. At this point, the benefits of firing a coach far outweigh the risks. If the goal is to compete for an ACC title every season and potentially make the playoff once every six years, which this would have been the year based on how Clemson has looked, um, then food just ain't the guy. And you're done with mediocrity. What was going on? What, 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 just, what triggered that, first of all? I, well, I, I was watching football. I had went back and started looking at some of the highlights from the game and just thinking about how I was feeling in the game last night and how I kept replaying it. You know, we, we started this with same old song and dance, and I feel like that's where we're at. And when you when you get to that point and you're not seeing improvement, just getting by isn't enough anymore. No. We, we've been getting by – We've well, been average. We've been mediocre since 2017. 2017? I'll, I'll throw 2017 in there. I think no. I we had more. We could have won more games in 2017 than we did. We, exactly. And, that's, we, and that to me is when it started. That's, that, that to me counts. If you're leaving multiple games on your schedule every year that you should win, then that's okay. that. Then that's being mediocre, and and it started then, um, you know. And and what I'm going to say is this: we we're in year six. We're beyond where okay, you get a pass. Yes, 
That's year four. So 2017, a couple losses that should have been wins. You got to pass. 2018, you had a bunch of people leave. You had a bunch of people that were ineligible. You were young as hell. Pass. 2019, that's yeah. when we started saying, started, it started early. It started with Duke. And then you turn it around a little bit. Unfortunately, you you left us with a bad taste in our mouth with UVA and then Kentucky. You, okay. you you're starting to not get the pass. Then 2020 happens, and pretty much COVID and gave you a pass. Appearances, yeah. Wit gave you a pass. I don't think us as a whole gave you a pass, but no, Wit gave no, you a pass. Wit gave you a pass. All right. So now, now we're in we're we're in 2021. We're in year six. I'm done giving passes. Oh no! And the I know that from a from a mathematical standpoint, the coastal is still ours for the taking. But uh-huh. does anyone listening to this feel comfortable? Zero. That it's going to happen. I, I've been confident. That, confident. I'm not saying that we can't do it. I'm saying I have no confidence that it will happen. Well, you have to. Start I asking. I don't feel confident about. Georgia Tech anymore. I definitely don't feel confident about Pitt, especially because Braxton's probably not playing. I don't. I'm not sure how I feel about Syracuse. I'm not sure how I feel about UVA. Duke is the only game left on our schedule that I feel 100 confident we will win. Absolutely, I'm with you right on that. And I'm gonna I'm gonna still argue. I don't I don't count 2017 because 2017 was still majority of Beamer players. That was so. And in that year, the losses were to Clemson, who went to the playoff, Miami, who had one loss. The two games you can say we shouldn't have lost that we did was Georgia Tech and the bowl game. Yep. I can't I can't go into there and say that. You know, it is what it is. You lose to a team that's similar to you. Oklahoma State was good that year. The Georgia Tech is the only game you can say that year we lost. To me, it's 2018 up to this point. And you talk about mediocrity. 2018 up to this point, we are 22 and 20. We are the definition of mediocre. We are the definition of average. And we are not used to that in this program. Those who started following this program, especially in the mid-1990s when we were in our teens, we're not used to that. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's so much. It's other mediocrity bull. It's a crap that he doesn't make any changes. That irritates me. When you're mediocre, you have to make changes. He won't fire his friends. He won't. He won't. Yeah. And, and that's that's a mediocre thing. Great coaches don't do that. Great. If we were bad and we didn't have talent and we were doing this shit, I yes. wouldn't feel bad about it. But we have talented guys. We screwed up the recruiting footprint for a few years. Luckily, that's somewhat between Ron Smith, Justin Hamilton, J.C. Price, and Adam Lechtenberg. That's slowly turning the corner. Now, the one thing I'll give him a credit on is, and I don't know if this is him or behind the scenes people, but it seems like alumni relations have gotten better. There were a ton of guys there last night, a ton of guys, different eras. But everything else is so mediocre. I mean, I, I'm, I'm giving that I'm giving yeah. that bone to Dwight Vick and and the the stuff right. he's been putting together <laughs> behind the scenes, and I'm giving to the, I mean, yeah, I'm sure some some of that kind of started with with wit. And yeah. I feel like there is a push from the athletic department that's gearing up for that stuff. But at the same time, I, I don't think that Fuente was like, hey, this this is going to be a really good idea that's going to 
you know, do he well for us. Did. I think I think it was something that was brought to him. He was like, okay, sure. That sounds good. And, and and Dwight's doing a hell of a job, you know, bringing that out to fruition. You see, uh, guys like John McLaughlin and uh, Luther Maddie that are doing a lot of good engagement uh, on mm-hmm. their podcast and on the stuff that they do live at the games. Well, like Michael now, man. That's yeah, a, I mean, they're bringing people that you know you want to hear from. You want to they're doing current players. They're bringing former players, and and if nothing else, what this era has brought out in Virginia Tech is voices. Yeah. Voices of former players, voices of fans. Um, you know, and, and, and I think when we look back in a few years, it's going to be one of those things where if this didn't happen, we're probably a much quieter fan base. We're probably more status quo, but now it's not because yeah. we don't want to be mediocre. We we we, no. we got we were we were we were we were we were fifteen minutes away from the mountaintop in ninety nine. We were fifteen minutes away from the mountaintop, and and then the subsequent years, you know, we were one and two games away from it. Yeah, we were stacking ten win seasons. We were stacking we were trips right to the, the uh, conference goal. title game, winning ACC championships. We were playing elite teams. We were knocking some off. We were, and when you get that close into where we are now, that's what hurts. That's what hurts. And, and what what I fear is there's there's, and we've talked about this before, Brian. I, I don't. I, I want to see passion. Every every Saturday we lose a game, I see people on the timeline, you know, saying I'll back out there again or fire the guy. We're not apathetic. My fear. This is my biggest fear. What happens between now and Duke, if we don't win a game, that Hokie Hall of Fame where Aditi's going in and Drakeford's going in, that it's going to be 50,000 people there. And it's yep. going to look nothing like Lane Stadium. And that's apathy. Once apathy hits, wit's in a shit ton of trouble. And, 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 and that's bad because we've seen Lane at its best two times this year. Yes, we have. At it at its fucking best. UNC and last, uh, night. last night was fucking gas. And the more we move away from that, and, and fans fans come out there, they love this team. But you've got to start rewarding your fans with wins or they're Win. not gonna come back. Nope. They're not gonna come and back. And I'm not saying it's gonna be a wholesale all at once thing, but you're gonna see about Five to seven thousand less every home game going forward is, and especially once we get on that road trip before we come back for Duke. Yeah, uh, it, it's going to be interesting, guys. It's it's going to be interesting, and I'm I'm with Curtis here. I'm more concerned about what what are the long term impacts, and especially the long term impacts if we don't make some sort of move this off season if things go south the way we think it's it's gonna go it it has to be made i don't care if it's a nine and three i don't care if we six and one and luck our way into the acc title it's got to be because there's nothing changed if you saw and you can't sit here and whip babcock you cannot sit here and put your chips on this and no change is being made because the thing is what and we said i said at the beginning what we saw six years ago it's still the same today. There is no yep. change. And when there is no change, you cannot expect to move forward. 
and, and, and I know Alabama lost yesterday. It literally took one of Nick Saban's proteges. It took 23 times for somebody to finally beat that guy, one of his proteges. And guess what? Think about Nick Saban, Brian. If I told you 10 years ago, Nick Saban's going to be running a pseudo power spread with pro concepts, not just, you know, two tight ends, a fullback run the ball. You would have called me crazy. Yeah. Wouldn't you? What has he done? He Change. saw the future and he said, all right, I, I can get guys that can run this in here. I, I can make this happen. And he put and because and, and and honestly because of the athletes he recruits that they can run that type of offense, um, they can move changed. seamlessly. Yeah, he, he he's like, all he right, changed. we can move, we can change this, and he did. He and he I think that's that's the thing that's frustrating, and, and the thing that kind of highlights all the other problems because I feel like you know we don't get on here and just crush Justin Fuente for every little thing. No, uh, we don't. But when we see something that is off, we say it. And true, the issue that we're having is that things have been off in terms of in-game play calling, in terms of in-game decision making that go beyond just, well, he's not recruiting. He, he came out and he wasn't recruiting Virginia like he should, or he's yeah. not approachable as a person that like we want our head coach to be like all that shit wouldn't matter if we were winning on Saturdays. It we we'd care about it, but it wouldn't matter in the scheme of things. But when, when you stack all of that stuff, it's hard to make a good case to keep the guy because if, if you're, if your goals, if you're not making progress towards your goals, then you're gone. Like that, that, that's, that's, that's how it works. Like I can't set goals and make no progress towards them and be like, all right, well, I'll just try the same thing next year. That's not how it works in the real world. That shouldn't be how it works in college football. The goals of this football team are to go to the ACC title game every year and to potentially go and win the ACC, putting yourself in position to play for the college football uh, in the getting the college football playoff every four to six years. If we had a six year uh, outcome and you said that one of those, we won the ACC. Yep. One of those, we had an eight win season and the rest we were playing for the, for the championship in those other four. No one would have a problem. That's, that's, that's what we expect. That, that's we, what we want. We'd be at ten and a half. Would be the average every year. We'd expect, somewhere and between we, nine and yeah, somewhere yeah. between nine and eleven. Yeah, yeah. And, and no one would have an issue. But you know what? Also, that meant Brian. There had been there would have been changes. We wouldn't have seen the same crap because usually what happens is is you make the changes, you get better. And when you don't make changes and you continue to do the same routines, the same things. Um, What's well, like it, outcomes? It's in, the momentum in, thing. So even when we see positive in one area, we don't stack that with positive in another area. Yeah. So we saw some progress in recruiting this year, but if you don't stack that with wins, it's hard to keep classes. It's hard to keep that momentum in the recruiting game. 
there's so many things that are negatively impacted by losses on the field and losses in games that you have the chance to win and don't that are going to trickle down. And at some point we got to decide is, is pursuing this relationship a positive impact on reaching our goals. And I, I think we're past that. I think we know that pursuing this relationship further is not going to help us reach our goals. And if that's what we've decided, then we need to move on. Yeah, it, it's definitely, to me, regardless of outcome this year, it is going to be definitely time to move on. Um, you've got a big fundraiser in front of you that you look at the bottom of our screen, we score with it every week. And if you're going to keep the guy that probably wins seven games, maybe six this year, there's going to be people that just aren't going to open up their pocketbooks. I mean, I mean, for real, they're just going to be like, I'm, I'm not writing a check. It's not worth my time because you aren't taking this seriously. Yep. Brian, anything happened besides the Sunday night football game currently in a delay? I don't know if that's good or bad for me, but, you know, <laughs> dropped any news on players' injuries. I don't see anything big, man. Um, we can talk a little bit about Pickham before we wrap things up here. Oh, you want to actually – he's bringing it up, folks. Uh, I'm bringing it up because I, I, I'm going to go ahead and get out there. I was awful in games that we picked different teams. I had a weekend, man. Seven and three. Seven and three. I'm four games above 500. Uh, let me look here. The, the the one that got me was Michigan. That got both of us, though. That was a three-point win. Um, I'm still shocked that you took Auburn. I mean, that was the one. That was the one, if you ask me. The Penn State one, that was a coin flip. You had whoever thought you were going to win the game. But the, the Auburn Georgia I, I thought Ugga was going to finally struggle a little bit in a game on offense to the point where their defense wasn't able to really put the game away. I thought it was going to stay close enough. Um, I was wrong. Yeah. So Brian, I was wrong. Brian this week goes, what are you went four and six, right? Yeah. Yeah, I went four and six. Yeah. Hey, but you know what? We got the Duke-Georgia Tech game right. We finally got it right by this much. Yeah. <laughs> she was narrow. Um, Georgia Tech finally didn't bite me in the ass. Um, well, well done, Georgia Tech. Barely. Um, Bear. Lee, Georgia yep. Tech barely gets us. Um, so, you know, you know, we got a week ahead with Pittman. Uh, some people are already saying we're definitely going to beat them. If you do that blindly, I mean. The only thing you're going off with that is history. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, of, how, of how Pitt has historically played in Lane Stadium. That's about the only thing that gives me confidence about that game. It's true. <laughs> All right. Well, Brian, let's wrap up this episode of Boundary Corner Podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Visit our website, boundarycornerbt.com, to listen to all of our episodes. While you're there, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast source, including Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts. As always, we let our buddy Jason Long play us in, play us out. Catch him on Spotify and Apple Music. We thank you for listening. And as always, let's go. Hokies.